Hi all, this is Christina and you're listening to With The Band Podcast, where we interview Latin musicians living and working in New York City to hear the stories behind the music. Our first season features solely female artists and I'm so honored to have Sasha Gutierrez as our first guest. Sasha is an operatic soprano that was born in Cali, Colombia and moved to New York to study at the Manhattan School of Music. She and her husband started organizing concerts on their stoop in Brooklyn during the pandemic. And at the end of May, they're staging a full-blown opera. Let's hear her story. Sasha, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm very good. I'm very happy to be here. Great. I attended your concert in November, your Stoop concert in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. And I just have to say it was a real light in the middle of such a dark year. And I know the others that happened to be there were really inspired by the concert. Can you tell me how the Stoop concerts began? It started out as just the jazz musicians uh, trying to find a place where to perform that they didn't have to be indoors and that they could, you know, wear their masks. We were like three months into uh, quarantine. So this was around June. And so a little context here, I'm married to a jazz musician and he decided to get together with his friends and play some music just for the heck of it outside our stoop. But when they did that, I did tell them like, this is not fair. I'm also a musician. I also perform and I would love to be able to share what I do, even though it's not jazz. I know I can deliver something. So we decided to have a little bit of a jam session. And then whenever they had a little break, I would show up and be like, okay, here I am. I'm an opera singer. And I decided to start just singing all the repertoire that I was practicing throughout months before the pandemic hit, I was getting ready for some competitions. And of course, suddenly they, they were canceled. Everything got canceled like in a weekend. And I felt very, like my time had been wasted. Mm. And it was not, it was, it was a tough, thing to to understand because of course you have no control over these things and I was so eager to try and do some competitions for the first time because I had not done competitions here in the United States okay so I had all this repertoire that I had been practicing and had not been able to sing for anyone so when the chance of doing the stip concerts happened I, I just took that I took it and I started singing my repertoire for strangers, neighbors, whoever was walking their dog. It didn't matter really. At that, at this point uh, during the quarantine, we were all just eager to be out. Even though the world was crumbling, we we couldn't let that happen completely, you know. Uh, so this is how our stoop concert started. Oh, <laughs> 
I mean, it makes sense. You're practicing your craft for so long and then you don't have the opportunity to share that with, with an audience. New York is such a place where music is everywhere. You're so used yes. to walking around and seeing concerts. And for a long time during the pandemic, it wasn't like that. I live in Bushwick and I, for many months, just walked my little loop and didn't hear any noise. And I think that quiet was really yeah. eerie. So when I, when I saw your concert, it was just like illuminating to, to yeah. feel that and to feel the connection. And I know there were people there that were there to see the concert, but then there were people who were just riding by on their bikes and stopped. And like you're yeah. saying, you know, maybe they hadn't heard an opera singer before. Even the jazz musicians would tell me, people are stopping more to hear you than to hear us. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, and it's true because not a lot of people have had the chance to listen to opera singers live. Right. And I say this because, because of this reason, we decided to start a project that right now it's called the opera next door and the opera next door wants to reach out to new diverse audiences we want to demystify the idea that opera is only for a certain type of people or you know elite or you, people who are wealthy we're trying to change all of this because opera can really be relatable it's something that belongs to all of us it's music music belongs to the world you know and opera is part of that we're going to try to, to do, you know, the classics, but we also want to, in the future, highlight new works by new composers, hopefully diverse composers. There's been a whole movement in the opera world right now where everyone is trying to make opera more accessible. For example, when Black Lives Matter happened, the opera world reacted mm. because there's a lack of black voices of being course. being uh, heard also latino voices uh, asian voices all of this um opera singers that belong to other type of you know cultures we have started to speak up and i'm very proud of the idea that most of the people who are involved in the opera next door are latinos mm -hmm. and most of us are immigrants not all of us but the majority but I also want to let people know that the opera next door is for everyone, uh -huh. you know? And I want this to be a welcoming place, a place where you are not afraid or just reluctant to reach out and feel like opera is something that is not for you. That's beautiful. I, I like what you were saying about um, creating opportunities for diverse audiences and artists, but also arts administrators. You've done such an incredible job of sort of rallying together all the pieces of this project. And I, <laughs> I'm just in awe of that, but I wanna read from your pitch. Yes. So you stated, an interpretation of the once classic and perhaps outdated trope of fiance swapping will be reimagined with sights and characters familiar to everyday New Yorkers, an outrageous sense of drama that any viewer of telenovelas will recognize. Well, you had me at telenovela. I am here <laughs> for the drama. 
and tell us about the opera that you've picked. So the opera we picked to debut with is called Così fan tutte by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Okay. This opera translates vaguely to all women are like that. Uh, I know, yeah. <laughs> it is quite outdated. This is a piece that in the modern world, it wouldn't be believable, but that's why we are taking this whole twist into the telenovela world because telenovelas are big, dramatic, there's a slap every once in a while, there's someone dying, there's, you know, there's a lot of high drama. And I mm -hmm. think that the only way to approach something that is this outdated is to take it to the other side of ridiculous. decided to go for this opera for many reasons. One basic and very to the point reason is that it's an opera that me personally, I already know and have performed in the past. Why am I choosing something that I already know? If I wanted to direct a project like this one to be able to manage everything that's happening around me, I have absolutely no time to learn something new. Right. And that's uh, one of the main reasons I chose this. It takes a village to be able to make this ha happen. But here we are. I mean, in the middle of getting everything, producing this whole thing in front of our scoop. I mean, this process has been a huge learning process because I've never trained to produce, you know? I've only trained to be a singer. However, I feel that in the singer world, we could have a little bit more of this. Yes. You know, we have to. And, and so what I feel is that I'm expanding my knowledge. Yes. Through, being, through directing and producing this whole project. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah. And I think at this time, so many musicians and so many artists are becoming new roles. I know in the dance community, dancers have now become videographers because if they want to produce the work, they have to film it properly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, it's fitting and all musicians have had to expand their knowledge at this time. I really trust my cast. We have a great team of people that love what they're doing. And to, to them also, this this chance to perform is it's also something that it's, it's a, a godsend. <laughs> Yeah, it's priceless right now. For us too, for the audience, just having those two dates to put in my calendar and it's something that is not virtual, it's something that I can get dressed up to go to is inspiring right now. And I think we all need something to look forward to. Let's let's rewind and go back to sort of, tell me about your childhood in Colombia and how you started in singing. So I was born in Cali, Colombia, which is actually known as the city of salsa. Like you, you yes. mentioned that you love salsa and wow. I mean, it's uh, I heard this every single day of my life. I mean, it's so normal to just walk around the streets and there's salsa playing or vallenatos or, you know, merengues, whatever. 
I started singing in school, you know, there was music class. Uh, when I was a kid, around six years old, I remember being in the, the music class that we had in school and that there was like this kid's choir. But after that, it was like nonstop choirs throughout my school years. Then as a young teen, I got into um, semi-professional choir. So there were some music students, but there were also amateur singers. And this was something that Honestly, it, it was the reason why I started singing opera. Because this choir, which was called Escolania, we did a lot of Baroque music, but also opera choirs for the conservatories in, in my city. Okay. And these were really small productions, like school uh, productions, but they, will, they would get the choir to sing the choir parts so I remember singing some choir parts for uh, this opera called Lucia de la Mermur. Um, and a friend of mine that was singing next to me looked at me and was like, whoa, you can sing this. <laughs> and I, I was around 15 years old when that happened. And after that, I remember thinking during my high school years, like, I really enjoy singing. I mean, this is what makes me like the most happy. And I went to a high school that focused a lot on trying to get kids to, to study, I don't know, being a doctor, an engineer, uh, all of this, let's say, normal careers, mm -hmm. not a lot of music. Mm -hmm. But I was able to do a musical with them at, at my high school. However, it wasn't high school that brought me to opera. It was this choir that I, I was in for a few years, like five years I was there. And then I decided to do my undergrad studies in Bogota in a university called Universidad Javeriana. And I, I'm so thankful for everything I learned there because they really did get me prepared to apply to the United States. And even though it took me a little while to be able to apply for a master's, that's when I was able to come here to New York City. After I auditioned, I was able to study at Manhattan School of Music. And the rest, I mean, the rest is, is history. history. I'm so happy that this was something that was possible for me because being a Latin American, someone who's immigrating, it's a it's the classic story, you know, like you hear this, but I really I really want to emphasize is that it is very hard. I had no like after leaving it, I can now say like, okay, what I see in movies, it's not like they're lying, it's real. You the struggle is very real. I remember my when I just moved here, I got lost in the subway and I had all these bags and I was sleeping in a friend's sofa for like a month before I was able to find a home and I had $300. That was all I had. <laughs> I remember, I, I, I can't, I relieve it. And nowadays I think like, how did I do that? <laughs> yeah, it's almost like idealized, like a fantasy romantic opera would be, yes. you know, you think, I'm going to move to the city. It's going to be like sex in the city, right? Yeah. And yes. I'm going to fall <laughs> at my lap and I'm going to have gigs, but it's winding the road to, to taking you to where you are today. And especially with the pandemic and, and, yeah. and even just before that, just getting on your two feet. 
Um, I liked how you were saying that when you were 15 years old, you had a friend who said like, oh, you can really sing because sometimes we need that little boost of acknowledgement just to like motivate us on, on that path. But was your family musical? And did you have a mentor or a teacher who sort of steered you in the direction? So I do have one side of my family where there's a lot of musicians. There's no singers. I have an uncle who's a music composer and theorist. Uh, my mom actually used to play the cello and used to um, be a music teacher. But, uh, and well, on my dad's side, no, nothing. <laughs> nah. <laughs> my dad gave me all the uh, the rock uh, training I needed, you know, every everything that was like old school rock and his favorite band is Supertramp, uh, you know, like really <laughs> 70s. Yeah. yeah, that side. My he expanded dad. your knowledge. Yeah. So appreciate <laughs> all forms. yeah. And my mom, um, she was a music teacher, but her story is interesting in my development is that you would expect a parent that is a musician to encourage their children to pursue music or to keep training, stuff like that. But my mom didn't. And the reason she gave me was that when she was a kid, my uncle, the one I'm talking about, she belongs to a really big family. And she's the youngest of all her siblings. My uncle is the oldest. So he would, you know, try to take care of the youngest and try to... Uh, he, he would make my mom take music lessons, like make her, and she was miserable. She didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So when it came to, to me, my mom would never try to make me do something if I didn't want to. So I went through, it, like the only thing that stuck around, and she reminds me of this all the time. It's like, the only thing you really kept doing was singing because I had piano lessons, guitar lessons, uh, flute lessons you name it, you know, drums, everything. I had all of those instruments and I didn't continue because I would get bored. I don't know why. But singing was second nature. Singing was my happy place. Singing was where, you know, I would try to imitate all the movies I would watch, you know, it was like a Disney movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> While I was in Cali, I didn't really have uh, like a really strong mentor. However, I did have people who inspired me. And one of those people, uh, it's actually another soprano from Cali, Colombia, which I will definitely show you because she's incredible. Okay. And she's from a small place in Buenaventura. Okay. And her name is Betty Garces. Okay. She's a, a, she lives in Germany right now. She, she's, she's fantastic. And she was one of the singers that would perform with us during our choir uh, interventions in the conservatory. She was one of the, you know, the main cast. And seeing her sing uh, always made me want to sing like that, mm. you know? So that's when I started kind of like thinking about studying music. My mom was kind of didn't feel it too much because of the reasons I gave you. She she didn't want to, her kids to go through the same she went through. Right. I don't regret it at all. I'm so happy with what I do and I couldn't see myself in another place. Yeah, it seems like a real calling.
I think it's so it's so important to have those people to look up to that look like us and that have a similar background. And I think you're you're going to be doing that for hopefully the audience members, hopefully some kids that come to see the operas on May 22nd and 23rd. How are you sort of getting the word out there to expand the audience for your operas in May? Right now we're doing a lot of social media work and we are also uh, doing a series of pop-up concerts, especially around our neighborhood. So we have uh, on our Instagram profile at the opera next door, we have been posting a few videos of our pop-up, mini pop-up opera moments in different small businesses around our neighborhood. So for example, we went to the bodega, the guys at the bodega here in our block are the best bodega in New York. (laughs) (laughs) We showed up and did a little bit of, um, this was not me personally, This this is one of our cast members. He sang for them and sang as if he was ordering, I don't know, lamb over rice or something like that. <laughs> bacon, and, bacon, egg and cheese. <laughs> yes, something, whatever. We are making this uh, small visits to the, to the small businesses around the neighborhood also as they supported us throughout our stoop concerts so much in different ways. If it was, you know, could, uh, maybe a thank you. Some people would send us, you know, the wine shop would send us wine. The bodega would send us uh, drinks or whatever. The people at our general store in the corner would also give us a shout out on social media about our stoop concerts. So we have so much to give back. And it's also a way of promoting not only this opera in particular, but opera in general. And this is something that I really aim to is taking opera out of the theater or out of the normal stage you imagine opera in and bring it back to places that are, you know, that are familiar. Yes. The bodega, you probably have gone into a bodega many times, but have you ever found an opera singer in a bodega? Probably not a lot. Never. You know, (laughs) (laughs) and just like out of the blue singing. So uh, this is one of our small contributions. Well, I also want to express to the listeners out there that you are fundraising for this. There is so much that goes into making an opera of this scale from paying the artists, paying the band, the administration work, the costumes. Um, So you are fundraising for this campaign. I know you have a page. Can you just tell us a little bit about where to find that? Yes. So we have a GoFundMe campaign uh, to make our opera happen on our block. This this campaign is basically to cover everything. And actually, the, the amount we are asking for is like to, to cover the bare minimum. Everyone who's here uh, working right now, everyone wants to be here. But something I really, really believe in is paying paying artists. Artists deserve to be paid. And regardless of doing art for the love of art, we still pay bills. We still have to, you know, cover things. And I want to raise this money so I can pay not only the musicians involved, but everyone who's in production, everyone who has put a little bit of their time in this whole process, because it's, to me, it's surprising. And it's a miracle, the amount of people that are getting involved in this just because they want to be in it. And 
right now we're around, I'm not kidding. I think we're almost 30 people involved in getting this whole opera together. Wow. Yeah. And um, everyone knows there's no money, but I want to be able to honor their time and what they do for us. So this is the whole point of raising funds. It's because artists deserve to be paid. I totally agree. And I think you're setting an incredible example so that the next opera that comes, the next little girl who attends your, your performance knows, you know, and follows in, in your footsteps. So I, 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 I love this. And I, I hope that everyone will take a moment to first put the two dates, May 22nd and 23rd into your calendars for the performances and also takes it into consideration to donate to support this worthy, wonderful project. I have enjoyed this interview so much. I have a few final questions. Yes. <laughs> um, a few are quick fire, just fun things. And then one is from a friend. So my friend asks, when you are ready to perform and you are, you know, get you have your costume on, you're getting your makeup done, what goes through your mind before you perform? And are, are there any pre-performance rituals that you always that you always do? Um, yes. So when I'm ready to perform, well, first of all, is I remind myself to enjoy. I really remind myself to enjoy what I'm about to do. Musicians have a tendency, well, classical musicians have a tendency to always try to be perfect. And this is something that doesn't really go with me because I'm a person who loves to be passionate and to, you know, feel intensely. So when, after all the hard work, there's the only thing left is to enjoy. So this is something I really remind myself. And there's actually uh, something my, my first voice teacher ever, like something that she would really tell me whenever I had a concert would be, gozatelo, gozatelo. And actually I wanna give her a shout out. Uh, her name is Carolina Plata. I mentioned people that, that inspired me and actually she's, one of them that really, really wanted me to, you know, go out and right. <laughs> and succeed. So gozatelo means enjoy. <laughs> so enjoy it. You, like you deserve that. So I do this always for every performance. I remind myself, gozatelo, gozatelo, gozatelo. Also, I'm, I was raised in a Catholic home. So every once in a while, I will, you know, have a little prayer moment <laughs> to get myself down back and remind myself that I deserve to live this experiences, that this is what I came here to do. Because, you know, sometimes you, the nerves hit here and there. And something very interesting happens to me when I perform. I get very, like I concentrate so much that for a moment I forget the world is out there, you know? And when you are able to reach to that, or to reach that point where nothing matters, but whatever is coming out from your heart and your soul, it's beautiful. So uh, I love when I, I'm able to do this and it especially happens with music that you've been singing for a while, you know? When it's the first time of something, you're always doubting yourself, being like, oh, did I remind, remember that correctly? Or am I saying the right lyrics? Stuff like that. But these are some of the, the things I, I, I do. I remind myself to enjoy. I give myself a little prayer. 
and you know just focus focus your whole energy and moment is for that instant you're making me cry because I, i could i could sense that when you're performing in november it transmits just from your the tone of your voice the skill your facial expressions i could feel that joy that you had put in the work you know that you'd done you'd done the scales you'd you'd, <laughs> you'd rehearsed but then at the end of the day you were just sort of letting that out letting letting the music come from your soul you know something i really believe in is that we are here to deliver and to serve the music and to serve humanity and to you know we are not i'm at least this is not me i'm talking of course about myself but i'm not out here to look for fame or you know uh become the great, greatest opera diva who knows i wouldn't mind that road either but <laughs> i always want to stay true to who i am And I right. feel that a lot of the things that happen with opera singers and what people expect opera singers to be is like this, you know, this diva that just walk, doesn't walk around but floats. <laughs> yes. And no, we are real humans. And the music we are singing is so sincere that you have to connect to that. So I really, really believe in that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, we're going to end with, three questions that are also about enjoying yourself <laughs> and will be hopefully fun for our listeners. So question number one, what is your favorite beverage? Ooh, I, I think I love bubble tea and that's something that I <laughs> found out here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I go crazy for bubble tea. I don't know. Yes. It's a, it's a dessert and a drink. All of this. Yes. <laughs> um, so next question, what is a food that you miss from Colombia that you cannot get here? Ooh, um, I'm going to say two things and any Colombian who's listening to me, some might agree or really disagree because this is something from my city. Okay. And one of them is called Chontaduro, okay. which is a, a, a very dry fruit, uh, very dense that you usually eat with honey and salt. Mm. I love it. And the other thing that I love that I'm not able to get here, it's called champús, mm. which is drink slash food. It doesn't, it, you know, it's uh, this thing that has little bits of uh, pineapple. Um, actually, it has uh, maize, corn in it. It has panela, which is uh, like sugar cane, and it looks terrible. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just letting you know, it looks horrible, tastes delicious. Um, and then my third question is, what is the last piece of music that you listen to on your cell phone? You can get your cell phone if you need to. I, 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 I think I know this might be wrong. I am going to look at my cell phone. So the last thing I've been listening to, I knew it. Honestly, this is a problem for me. I need to kind of like up, get a little update on what's out there. Right now I'm listening to uh, a piece by Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> I love it. So the only reason I'm listening to this so much is because actually I have a concert coming up, uh, my first live performance. So exciting. Well, I hope that everyone will follow Sasha and the Opera Next Door on Instagram. We will include all of your social media in our show notes. And I hope that everyone 
who can comes to the performances. So yes. thank you so much, Sasha. You're very welcome. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. Thank you. <laughs>